Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of KitPod. So we're back to our original quartet today. So a few introductions and what we're wearing. So I'm Alex and I mentioned this honeycomb puma template in a tweet yesterday ukraine wore it for 97.98 but this is a much jazzier burnt orange version worn by fc cool so you've got a jacquard honeycomb in the body and then a printed honeycomb on the outside there's also another pretty lurid lime green version that Wolfsburg wore so what are you wearing rob uh, i'm wearing a shirt Shown on ITV on Friday night with the current FA Cup favourites, uh, Millsborough Football Club, when they beat Manchester United quite comfortably, 8-7 on penalties. It's the Jade Green away shirt, harking back to the 94-95 shirt. I don't, I'm not going to talk anymore about the shirt because all I want to know is that Man United fans, you should be really, really worried about your team and the championship. You should be really worried about us too because we're going to get promoted. Having hosted Rob on Friday night, I've had more than enough of Borough Chat, so let's move on quickly to Tom. Wearing a Serie A shirt there, Tom. Yeah, I've gone for the 16-17 Bologna third kit, and it's the kit that they um, had a huge, great print of the stadium Renato Dallara clock tower on the front, and this was to celebrate 90 years of that stadium's existence. Great. And finally... Adrian, like me, you've nailed your colours in terms of the Derby della Madonnina to the red and black side, haven't you? Absolutely. The derby was played yesterday as we record this. AC Milan obviously came out as winners, making a great comeback. So I've got the 94 home jersey on. Surprise, surprise, it's uh, red and black stripes. But for me, it's my favourite. Favourite Milan shirt also has the uh, Scudetto on it and the Champions League European Cup trophy from the previous season. I'm just trying to redress the balance given the feature that we're coming on to later today. I thought we needed to uh, equal things up a bit. I think we're going two each, aren't we, on the Inter Milan side. So we'll see how that works out when we get to the feature. So with our jersey sorted, it's on to the news. So a few pieces today. Messi's back in number 10 for only one game, but the boys aren't quite convinced by the print set. Southampton don a saintly white kit and do a good deed for an FA Cup game. Nike's design team avoid a mountain of work for the new Slovenia shirt, and Lille get a foot into the sneaker game. So Adrian, first of all, we saw Lionel Messi back in a familiar number this week. We did, we did. So when Messi went across to PSG, I think everybody jumped the gun and started buying their PSG number 10 Messi shirts, quite quickly realising that they were destined for the ruined shirt pile. But due to some nuances and quirks of the tournaments in France, the Coupe de France has got some interesting kit rules, one of which being, that, like the old-fashioned sense, players need to be wearing 1-11 to 11 on the pitch. And this gave Messi the opportunity to don his number 10 shirt again for the first time for PSG. It was sort of undone by the sponsors. So you had a great big Credit Agricole sponsor across the front. And you also had some fancy French supermarket across the back rather than a messy name set on the top of the uh, top of the shirt. You had Bon Marche or something like that. It wasn't a very nice evening for him at all, to be honest. And it wasn't very nice on the back either, was it? The number set isn't a classic. I think those French kits as well, they're always covered in sponsors, aren't they? And I think... Previously, they used to do them quite well in the 90s, but some of those on that Messi shirt look absolutely terrible, don't they? I think that the, the team should be allowed to say no if the colours on the sponsors and everything like that just make the shirt look so much worse. 
I was just going to say, it's nice to see the JD Sports Sporting ID typeface have a comeback. You know, we always say they're never used in games, but you watch those Coupe de Liga games and yeah, they are definitely used. I think that's doing the kit a favour. I think, you know, Rob, Rob hit the nail on the head there. It's a horrible sponsor. It's not the nicest PSG shirt. They've even got the, the gold patch on it being the trophy holders and it's it just looks like a car crash it looks like somebody you know spec that kit up in the dark yeah it's weird though, those um coupe de france games isn't it because i think in the 90s they all had to wear adidas if i'm right i think so psg with their sort of nike affiliation for you know 500 years had to wear these um, red and black adidas shirts i think it was like i think it was probably all the way through the 90s actually it's quite an interesting one that isn't it really I think that goes further. I think there were designated colours for home teams and away teams. So I think if you're a away team, you had to wear yellow. Right. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it was it was very strict rules. Yeah, it ran all the way through to 2006. And actually, I don't claim the credit for this, but if you look at um, Museum of Jerseys on Twitter, he's got a great article he wrote on that back in 2018. And he's got some great pictures of a template, some of those famous PSG shirts, but obviously with Adidas equipment and Adidas badges across it, it's really worth looking up. I wonder if um, I wonder if anyone out there's got any of those shirts. There's there's loads of match one collectors who've got some great friendship, especially some of the PSG collectors. So if you've got any, get it on our uh, on our Twitter feed and let us see. There are actually a couple on Depop if you look for the Coupe de, de France. Uh, if you search that title, but who knows who wore them? They could be templates, I guess. But... So from one embarrassing name set to another, unfortunately, Tom, somebody's ruined a very nice Saints charity shirt. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because Southampton, they, they wore this weekend in the FA Cup, they wore a white version of their, their, their black Hummel third kit. And it's a great third kit, actually. It's got St Mary's Stadium embossed throughout the, the shirt, but they've essentially rebadged that into a white version and they've made 500 of them. It's going to be boxed. It's individually numbered, which is great for a limited shirt. And it's all for the Saints Foundation, which is Southampton's in-house charity. But yeah, I saw uh, ruined shirts will be bombarded with this. I'm sure someone put a very odd bespoke name set on the back, which I think is horrendous for a genuinely limited shirt. I don't think that should be allowed. I won't repeat what it is in case they're listening and I get beaten up. A few Southampton fans jumped on the back of that shirt because it was 500 box versions, limited release, £90, went on sale on Friday and sold out. But a couple of uh, Southampton fans contacted me on our Instagram account and just say they weren't really happy with the fact that it was a charity shirt to recognize the work by their foundation and how long it had been going but it had a great big betting sponsor across the front of it they just didn't think that that sat particularly well there is that issue isn't it with a lot of these shirts at the moment middlesbrough actually did one last season or the season four i can't remember now but what we did was for our third shirt we removed the betting sponsor and we put on our mfc foundation charity as like a second badge almost and that kind of the whole point of the shirt was to raise awareness for the foundation so the foundation had their sponsor within that we had the sort of the steel element of the riverside across the shirt as well. And I think, just think about it before you're going to do these charity shirts, these commemorative shirts about the whole package. You know, I'm sat here wearing a shirt with 32 red on the front. If I'm wearing a charity shirt or something that's commemorative, maybe just take it off. I'm sure a 32 red won't mind that we break the limits or whatever they call their slogans and actually get rid of it. So did none of you notice the tiny, tiny Saints Foundation motif on the back of the neck collar? Um, pass. <laughs> Yeah, nice idea to get rid of the sponsors. And that's something that's been adopted by Stuttgart. So this weekend they played in a special shirt where they ditched the traditional sponsor and uh, had an alternative message, which translates as everybody counts, no matter on what pick. Well done, Stuttgart. Keeping with kit design, 
it seems that after having exhausted their energies by producing a bunch of classics over the last two or three years, that design teams are downing tools. So we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about BVB outsourcing their design to fans. And it seems that Slovenia have done the same. So they had a competition where they invited football fans to submit designs. And now the vote is open for you to, to choose from those designs. So they're up on the website. We've had them up on the feed. So the final winner is going to be determined. 30% of the vote is going to be from those public votes on the website. There's also going to be 40% of the votes come from uh, squad players and then 30% from the big wigs at the Football Association. So not entirely in the public's hands, but been given over to them to a certain extent. It sounds like the Eurovision voting system, doesn't it? Do you reckon there's going to be any um, political wrangling behind the scenes on that one? Yeah, maybe. So as usual, since 2010, Slovenia have had the Triglav Mountains, so the highest mountain in Slovenia, as the main feature, a stylized version in the, the shirt, and that's continuing. So this shirt is going to be worn for the next four-year cycle, and voters on the website will be entered into a draw for a free version of the shirt when it is released in June 2022. So there are a bunch of designs from eight different designers to me, they really vary in quality. I think there's a really nice stylized version you see front and center with the, the mountain peak, a simplified version of what's really been there for the last 10 years. A couple of the other ones probably a bit weaker, uh, I think. What do you guys think? Any favorites? So the stride one down the middle of a centralized piece, I think is really nice. But for me, that looks a little bit like a PSG shirt if they were going to release one of their fifth or sixth shirts, which don't actually want to give them any ideas. But one I really liked was the wire type mountains. So the three mountains that looks like that famous Joy Division album. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but uh, we, again, we exchanged that on the Twitter feed this week. I really like those two versions. I actually think the Slovenia have had some superb shirts and I'm not biased because Andros Spora played against uh, Manchester United on Friday night when Mills would beat them. But um, Slovenia have got have had some really nice designs. I like the fact that the, the reversible colours on the same template, I'm a really big fan of that and it worked for a lot of teams in the 90s. I really like that look. It gives your international team that real sort of strong feel, that strong brand. Do you know what? I actually thought the designs were really good. I thought it actually took into account what Nike already do which I think you've got to do about, instead of going too far out there, you kind of keep the traditions going. I'm with you, Adrian, on the stripe down the centre. I do really like it, but yeah, it does have that sort of PSG feel. I quite like the one that's a little bit more like the other shirts with the thicker sort of mountain stripes on, but I'm with you on the Joy Division shirt on the uh, Unknown Pleasures one. I think that really works and it would really stand out. I think the away version of that one with the different colour sleeves, I think, that, I think that's superb, I really do. Like you say, it's difficult in the national team, particularly when you're a smaller nation, to stand out when you have a generic colour. So they're white and blue. So there's a lot of other nations, think Estonia and so on. So having that stylized graphic, you know that that's a Slovenia shirt because they've already had it for a decade and it becomes iconic. Whereas I think probably otherwise, there wouldn't have been much appetite for a Slovenia shirt previously. I think there's a first with this as well. It's going to be the first ever poll that Arsenal fans haven't taken over and completely ruined. First one in the history of the internet, is that right? I'll win this week's gags. That's great. <laughs> Another fan base of alienated. <laughs> one by one. And perhaps the reason that the design team haven't taken over that shirt is because they've been too busy on trainers. So Lille's New Balance design team have released a pair of sneakers this week, haven't they, Rob? Yeah, they have. Yeah, last season they did it as well. But this season's trainer is all about Lille. Um, that well-known French team that everybody supports and wants to collect all of their memorabilia. 
But it's a nice pair of trainers. I think one of the things that New Balance have been a little bit clever with this time is they've put the Lille badge on the inner sole. So if you are just a trainer fan and you like a blue, red and white pair of trainers, why not buy them? Because no one can see that they're from Lille anyway, which I think is a little bit of an issue. I'm all for all of this, you know. I love all the bags and the trainers and the trackies and all that sort of stuff. I've been buying loads of dodgy old catalogues from eBay recently and um, some of the things and the tie-ins that you see are great. And I think, why not wear a pair of trainers with your uh, with your team on it? I think that, like I say, they've been a little bit cute in terms of putting the badge on the uh, on the inner sole. So it's kind of, you know, still open to any New Balance fans out there. But yeah, I'd definitely rock a pair of uh, Borough trainers, 100%. I think I absolutely would as well. I mean, I do have a pair of the New Balance Roma trainers, which I just haven't worn yet because I love them being so immaculate and clean. I'm waiting for that perfect, dry, sunny, no humidity day so that I can slip them on for five minutes just to strut around the block. But I, d- I don't know if I would go for Chelsea ones. They'd have to be really subtle. You know, it, it can be a minefield. As people learn you're a Chelsea fan, you're automatically categorised terribly. So... Yeah, they'd have to be really subtle for me to go for my own club, I think. Yeah, it's no surprise I've got a pair of the Roma ones. And uh, yeah, I, I love them. I think Rob's alluded to it. New Balance would be really cute. So even the Roma one that does carry the branding, you know, it's, it's a quite a small ASR badge on the tongue. And if you're wearing a pair of jeans, nobody's going to know. You've just got the colourway of the of the club. New Balance, I think, have done it for Celtic and they did it for Athletic as well over in Spain. All have sold out. So there's obviously a huge demand for it. I was reading somewhere that I think Nike, although Nike have half done it with some of their releases last year, some of the third shirt releases. I don't know if people remember when those were launched. I know the Roma third, you know, they did it with Barcelona and a few of the other clubs. They did like a link up, but that was only a colorway link up. And I think somebody said that, you know, these bigger brands like Nike were worried about alienating fan bases if they went with certain models. You know, don't, I'm not a trainer geek here, but, you know, like a Nike Air Zoom 2, if you did that as Liverpool, no Man United fan would buy a Nike Air Zoom 2. I've made it up. I don't know how the trainer exists because of that link. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? How we can't put anything aside for that. It's like, I think in the 1990s when Canal Plus bought PSG, they obviously, they were the massive cable network. They didn't want to upset any Marseille fans, so they couldn't be too biased towards PSG. It's quite interesting how you would think about trainers being, oh, well, I'm not going to buy a pair of Nike Air Zoom 2 ever again because they were once associated with Liverpool. But I suppose that's, kind of that tribalism in football fans as well, isn't it? I think comparing what New Balance have done to those Nike ones that they released the other year is at least the New Balance ones are dictated by the club's colours. Do you know what I mean? It's very much linked to that club. Whereas Nike, didn't they make the third shirts or the jerseys for the clubs based off the trainers or something? It was more like trainer-driven rather than club-driven, which is why that Chelsea shirt, the Air Max one, is still available on the website when all the others are sold out. Yeah, I think they were very loose connections, weren't they, to sort of a famous pair of trainers. But then what I find quite funny is the trainers were absolutely disgusting anyway. And they thought, oh, do you know what? Let's make a shirt based on a terrible pair of trainers. And um, One thing I was going to say was I've seen quite a lot of, mainly Adidas trainers, actually, there's a massive like Adidas fan base for customised trainers. And just as an aside, bringing it back to Borough again, a bit of a Borough episode, this one. Someone had had a red pair of Adidas Gazelle trainers customised and they had a little emblem of Janino put on the white part at the back that looked pretty cool. They had like, I think they had like Janino 10 instead of Adidas on the uh, on the stripe. So they're pretty cool. And I think as fans and as collectors, I think they're great. You, you put them on your shelf and they look pretty cool. Yeah, why not? Why not have more tie-ins like that? 
And if you spent loads of money on the Adidas website, you probably got the creator pass. So you can actually go in and do that on your trainers as well. There so go. there's a hint to anybody who doesn't know that. You can get free customization with the creators. Do they, do they let you whip in a free kit like Janino as well, though? That wasn't as good as your earlier joke, Tom. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, stop now. Wrong Janino, Tom. That's the Leon Janino. <laughs> Ours was the little fella who got the best goal, Premier League goal ever against Chelsea. He scored free kicks too, didn't he? All yeah, Brazilians he could, can. He couldn't kick it that far. He was only little. If you got it dug into your creator club, what which uh, which colourway out of your current shirts do you think you try and copy? I'd go for the um, jade, green and gold that Borough wore in the win against Manchester United on Friday night and a pair of Adidas gazelles. You're handling that really well, Rob, a bit like Borough did on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Shame Dean Henderson couldn't get his hand on any of them penalties. Did anyone see that news story about the Greater Manchester Police tweeted it? A father had been arrested for child neglect as he went on the lash and left his 11-year-old kid in the hotel room. <laughs> that was brilliant. The story of, I think it's part of the report that there was an indignant mother on her way down from Borough. You think you're in serious doghouse this weekend. The, the reason why she was indignant was she was out on the town celebrating as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and with this week's news wrapped up, we're on to our main feature. So for our main article this week, we're covering Tom's article, Neritzuri 1991, from issue one of Kit magazine. So Tom, do you want to give us a summary of the article? Sure, yeah. So I think we've spoken about it almost on every episode, about one of the main reasons why we collect kits and why we're drawn to certain kits. And that is often due to success in that shirt, either that or players that wore it and you particularly were fond of. And this shirt's an interesting one because... It came at a time when Inter Milan really went on a decline, but it's still known as a great kit of theirs or a great trio of kits. And that is probably more down to the fact that aesthetically, it's just bloody brilliant. And then also you do have some cult players in there like Andreas Bremer, Jürgen Klinsmann and Lofa Mateus. But it was just an interesting one to me because, yeah, it's a, it's a great kit, really fondly thought of, but they were pretty pants on the pitch with it. So, yeah, I thought it would be a good one to write about. And what are the sort of features that make it stand out then, you think, as a kit design? So it, it was Umbro's first take on an Inter Milan kit because in the late 80s, they'd been with Eulsport, the German brand. And obviously that had coincided with a really successful period for Inter. But Umbro took the reins in 1991. And um, yeah, they just designed... I think Rob will probably tell me a bit more, tell us a bit more about it. But I think Umbro had a really strong catalogue of kits, 91 to 92. And they had a lot of features that ran through their catalogue of shirts and, and they all kind of shone specifically well on this Inter Milan shirt. Yeah, you're right, Tom. There's, there's some brilliant... I love some of the features on this shirt, especially the, the little Inter down the, um, down the collar and then they've got the stripes just tucked inside it as well. And then obviously within the shirt, they've got Inter printed all over it in sort of this sort of half umbro design each side. It's absolutely superb. And it, it looks great on players. Now, sometimes I think some of the kits that we see now when they're designed, they don't look as good on the pitch as they do off it. But I think this one, with the way that they've done the shorts and the really simple socks, I think it looks absolutely brilliant when it's on. Well, with the exception of the uh, away shirt the year before, they've been a pretty tame set of designs, haven't they, the Yule Sport ones? All kind of matte fabric, so nothing really to write home about in terms of design. You go from that into, like you've said, this rich design and sort of really 90s aesthetic that you get with this first issue from Umbro. So as our resident Serie A expert, Adrian, do you want to cover a bit what was going on on the pitch at that time? 
yeah, I can happily bore as many people as are still listening at this point in the pod with what was going on at the time. So there's quite a few links. It, yeah, for me, the shirt's amazing because it, it, I know for Tom, from a memory perspective, it's Umbro's first shirt and it, he remembers the German players that wore it. But it was really the end of that German era. So you had AC Milan in the 80s that brought in their three tulips. They had the Van Basten, they had the Hullet and they had the right, right card. And in 87, you know, through the 80s, and especially the 87, most dominant team in Italy and probably in Europe, if you look over that 10-year period from 87 onwards. And I mean, I had some, a little bit of a success that I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. But there's quite a few links to, to Inter Milan. So Inter, Inter was set up as International to be the, the foreign club in Italy that would welcome players of non-Italian descent, I think was how they initially uh, set it up. And it's quite interesting because I think in 79-80, they're actually the last Italian team to win the uh, Scudetto with only Italian players, which sort of flies a bit of the face in terms of why they were set up. But um, they also, the first non-in-house kit manufacturer was Puma, another German manufacturer. So there's links between Inter Milan and German, Germany and German players all the way through the 80s. So the Inter Milan, the Inter Milan Puma kits, then they forried into the German transfer market before the big players Tom mentioned they had Handy, didn't they, in the early early 80s? I don't think he settled down particularly well. And they brought Riemenegger in as well, who won the Ballon d'Or twice in the early 80s. And although he scored a lot of goals for Inter, didn't really transform their fortunes on the pitch. And it was only really after they went into the transfer market and brought in the two Bayern Munich stars in 88 for the Sarvi 88 season. Bremer coming in was probably the unsung hero. Went on to finish third in the Ballon d'Or in 1990 and score World Cup winning goal. But um, Bringing in Lothar Mateus, I mean, guys, I don't know if, you, if you're in agreement with me, but he is, you put him in the ranks of one of the all-time world's greatest players ever, yeah? Top 10, definitely, I think. And I mean, he transformed that, transformed that team. From midfield, he's had a one-in-three goal record for Inter Milan. He really he transformed them to the highest points total on a, if you, we had two points for a win back then, but if you went back to that 88 season, uh, they weren't defeated till February. They racked up a, a record amount of points that season. And it's quite fitting that Mateus, I think, scored the goal that clinched the title against Maradona's Napoli towards the end of the season as well. So, you know, the German influence on Inter Milan really did transform their fortunes. Klinsmann came in 89 and, you know, although he, again, he did, did pretty well when you look at his goal-scoring record at Inter Milan, it, did, it was sort of a downward trajectory. They never challenged for the title again and they did, I don't like to talk about it, they did win a, Euro, a UEFA Cup in, in 91. But, yeah, it, it was sort of down, downward trajectory for them from there on. Yeah, it was it was quite an interesting time for Inter, wasn't it? Because like you say, with the um, with the Germans and just to, just to touch on Mateus, I actually think with modern fans, he's probably one of the most unknown, underrated, greatest players ever. Just yeah. honestly, if you've never really watched any Mateus, just Google like Lothar Mateus goals, see where he picks the ball up from for half his goals, and then think how on earth is this going to turn into a goal? Because there's so many goals where he's driving from deep and shooting. He's absolutely brilliant. But for Inter, it's that kind of period where for me, they bought all the wrong players, even down to like Burkamp and who they bought the year after, or the year after that, maybe 93. Um, they just didn't quite fit. And it was probably only until Ronaldo arrived in 97 that things started to change for them. But even that was sort of dogged with injuries and difficulties. But in terms of the shirt, I think that, yeah, it's, it is a brilliant shirt. And it is a shame sometimes, I think, probably for fans of Inter who associate the, the shirt with that transition. Whereas for us as collectors who, you know, were maybe like six, seven, eight at that time, we didn't realise that it was like a bad time to be a fan. We just think, wow, look at it now. That's a brilliant shirt. But probably for our own clubs, we look at shirts and think, oh, 
that shirt I just really associate with a terrible season or a terrible game or something like that. It must be quite um, quite difficult, that I think, for Inter fans. Yeah, for the fans, it must be unbelievable. I mean, AC Milan kept their Dutch trio pretty much from 87 through to not sort of like not 94, 95, although they fell out of Hullet for a year. But, you know, they still had them all the way through that period. And by the time you get to 1991, Inter Milan are letting go Mateus and Bremer. Klinsmann's off to Monaco and they're replacing them. And I mean this with the greatest respect, but they're replacing them with Sammer, who could fall out of himself in a lift. I think only played about 10 games before disappearing. Pantsev, again, great goal scoring record in, in, what was it, Belgrade? Yeah, Red Star Belgrade. But, you know, it's a hell of a step up for him. He didn't really do it. Sosa, who done all right at Lazio, but not the same level as a Mateus. And Shalimov, who had you know, a good year at Foggia. Yeah, it really was a massive transition. And to be an Inter fan against an AC Land fan, you might be winning in the kit stakes that season, but they went and won the European Cup again. It's interesting then, isn't it? Because like we're saying, like you perfectly summed up, that the late 80s with those Missouri-sponsored and Earlsport-branded kits, that was when Inter really had their biggest period of success. But for us, and I wonder if that does just stay within the kit community sphere, that 91-92 shirt or trio of shirts where they finished eighth in the league, I think, that year. And like you said, the, the kind of core of that great team fell apart. Those are the kits that we, we really like. And they, again, that must speak so highly of the actual design of them because it flies in the face of all those usual regions of, of why we've all said we like a kit. You know, so I wonder if how Inter Milan feel fans feel specifically about those three I think also as well linking it with the other Umbro designs of that era as a lot of people do online with you know I've got this Umbro kit and this one and the similar design features like Ajax have got a brilliant one Tottenham have got a great one from that time as well they'd also just come off the back of sort of the England 1990 shirts like Wales and Hungary had some great shirts at that time and they were moving Umbro into a little bit more individual for the club so they all had the um, names imprinted in the shirts the away design and the third design are actually really different, but very complementary. It felt like those two shirts really went well together. And I think that when you're a collector, I think you look at the big picture sometimes with shirts and it's, yes, it is a European Cup winning shirt or it's a Serie A winning shirt, but you think of it, right, it's within this sphere of two great years of Umbro kits from 91 to 93, or it's in this sphere of Champions League winning kits or, or European Cup winners or whatever it is. And I think we do look at it a little bit different because one thing that we like that isn't a team of our own or is really connected to our history as kit collectors, for example, that 92 France uh, template that lots of other teams have had, you do sort of get drawn in, I think, to those shirts and then it kind of widens out what you think. Whereas for clubs... It's very much, I know I'm like this with Borough, you associate, like this shirt, I'll associate forever with the Man United um, match when we won on penalties. I'll always associate it with that game or that era. And it is. it would be quite interesting to hear what Inter fans think of that one. I mean, with the away and third shirts, I think Umbro have played it absolutely perfectly, haven't they? You know, you, how can you really uh, change up an Inter Milan home kit? It has to be black and blue stripes. They've done that. But like you said, with that Umbro template at that time, They've managed to make it really distinct in the in the list of inter shirts because of those design features like the collar, like the, the stripes within the collar. They they mashed the Umbro diamond with the Inter Milan name really well throughout the the fabric. But then they've gone wild with the away and third shirts, haven't they? They've they've really gone down a different route, but they've still stayed very notably inter. You know, you've had the blue and the black running through the home. Uh, sorry, the away and the third still. 
but then they've just gone a bit crazier with the designs and the additional colours. Yeah, for a three-year period, those Umbro third shirts are into Milan. People need to go out and Google those because they, they, they're beautiful. You either, well, I say they're beautiful, but they're Marmite. You either love them or you hate them, but I think they're fantastic. Like you say, there's a great run until 1998, I think, with Umbro. Are there any particular shirts that stand out then? Is this your favourite, Tom, or any others that are really top of, of that collection? Yeah, I, I think these three intercates, the Homely Way and the third, which I think Rob has all three of them, plus the goalie kit, I think... If you talk about the greatest set of kits, these definitely have to be in the discussion, I think. Just they, they look great. They're, they're, they're true to the, the club that they represent. And, you know, that they, they were different at the time. There weren't kits like this until this point. So, you know, I think I think they definitely have to be up there for me. I think as well, Umbro deserve a lot of credit. Um, in this early 90s period for doing something a little bit different with their designs, especially as Tom says, with the away in the third shirt and the goalkeeper shirt, if people haven't seen it, is brilliant. And Tottenham had a third shirt in a similar design. Ajax had an away shirt in a similar design as well. So it's that kind of thing that we've I keep witching on about all the time. It's the templates that are bad, not templates as a whole. If you've got a good one, absolutely milk it for as much as it's worth. Puma third shirts. But those into ones for me, they're my favourite set. I've got one keeper shirt to get. There's a dark green version in exactly the same design that I've only ever seen listed once. It was on eBay for about two years. And you only just buy other things at the time and it's gone now. So I'm hoping to get, if I can get that one darker green shirt, I'll have, I'll have all five that they wore that season. You say quite rightly that teams and their success often define whether a shirt's perceived pretty well, but also players do. And in this collection, for me, the one that really stands out is that 97, 98 third with the grey stripes. And for everybody, I'm sure it's synonymous with one player. That's that's Ronaldo. And yeah, yeah, I think it always links in with that. And now Ronaldo, who is onside. This to seal it. This for the cut. What a finish. What a moment. What a player. He might have been quiet, but Ronaldo seals the win. A reminder that you can read Tom's article in the first issue of Kitbag, which is still available as a digital download. So we move now on to the quiz. So on to the quiz now, and having joined the top of the lead board again, Last week, Tom with a victory over Adrian. He's facing off with Rob again this week. So today we've actually got a question sourced from a member of our audience. So thanks, many thanks to Steve Shirts on Twitter, at Steve Shirts. So he set the question, which is, can you name clubs whose home shirts are predominantly blue and white stripes? Ooh, good question, Steve. We'll give you 30 seconds calculating time. I'm just going to take this opportunity to say, I hate you, Steve. I hate you. <laughs> Tom, don't alienate our only listener. <laughs> no, I love Steve, actually. He's great. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Steve. There's a few people who've been really supportive, and Steve, I think, is one of the most vocal fans. So, yeah, thanks yeah, very I much. I really appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for that 20 quid as well. It was, uh, it was worth it. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a tricky one as well, isn't it? Good, yeah. yeah. Ho- only home shirts, wasn't it? Just go, yeah, like, yeah, only home shirts, yeah. So stripes rather than hoops. Stripes, yeah. Are we going international as well as club? Club, club. Steve set the question. Sorry, Steve. I think I think I've done quite well here. I'm impressed okay, with so, how many I've got. 
Rob, as the challenger, you get the first bid. So what are we going for? Eight. Oh, I had eight as well. Uh, okay, I'll go nine. But right, I'll, two, e- I'll two, equal yeah. your. I'll equal your nine. Well, no, you see, you've got to go one over. Oh, I've got to go one over. Right, ten. Go for it. Name him. I've only got nine written down as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, Hartlepool. Yep. Brighton. Yes. Hertha Berlin. Yes. Kilmarnock. Spot on. Malaga. Yep. Here and Veen. Yes. Porto. Obvious one, yeah. Obi Odense or Odensa from Denmark. Okay. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Obam. And one more. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said it's that now. We had different ones as well. We had lists oh, really? of Yeah. Oh. This is where we need our manscaped advert break. Yeah, it is. Or like a little musical interlude. Interlude, internude. No, that's a different thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, I not mean, internudes. Below this Bologna shirt, there's nothing. <laughs> um, internudes is um, Adrian's Milan player wall. <laughs> right, I'm going to go a little bit random here, and it is a little bit of a guess, and I think I'm, I think I might be wrong, but I'm going to go with Wraith Rovers. I'll consult the magical computer, aka oldfootballshirts.com. Oh, I'm not sure about this one. I feel like they've got a blue kit. Oh, it might be white and blue, not stripes. It's like that moment when Alanga stood up to the penalties again. Oh, Rob. yeah, and he bottled it over the bar, didn't he? Which, which way is it going to go? I'm oh, Joe Lumley now, waiting on my line. I think I've gone over the bar. Yeah, it, you, you'll find it somewhere in Stratford. Yeah, <laughs> red, red, white, strips, oh, black strips. Yeah. Nightmare. I thought I'd done well then. Can't have everything in one weekend. Bob. Tom, you tell me the can't. ones that you, Tom, tell me the ones that you had that were different. So I had Pescara. Ah, oh, yeah. I had Alaves. Alaves. Yeah. I had Deportivo La Coruña. Mm. Did you say Hartlepool? I think you did say, yeah, say Hartlepool. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there was another couple of Italian ones. I can't remember now. I don't think any of you had Huddersfield, did you? Oh, oh yeah, I had. To, yeah, I did have Huddersfield written down. Yeah. Oh, that's a gimme. And Real Sociedad. There's loads no, of Spain. I didn't, I didn't have Sociedad. Oh. So another victory for Tom here and, and taking a lead at the top of the, the leaderboard and be back to defend against Adrian next week. So moving on to Kit Room 101. And Rob, you're taking aim at a whole decade of shirts this week. I most certainly am, with 100% pleasure in my voice. Even more pleasure in my voice than after I'd finished the Manchester United versus Middlesbrough FA Cup game on Friday night. So I'm going to put into Kit Room 101 every single shirt that was released from the year 2000 to the year 2010, with absolutely no concessions for any shirt that was released in that decade. Don't tell me about the Total 90 template. I don't want to wear paper towels to play football, okay? I don't want to talk about dual layer player spec shirts. I don't want to wear two shirts to play football unless it's really, really cold, okay? Don't tell me about any designs from the 2002 World Cup when Ronaldo had a stupid haircut. It's rubbish, okay? They are all terrible. 
And this is not 90s nostalgicizing. This is just cold, hard, sensible, factual discussion, as you will find on every edition of the Kitmag Pod. So please don't at me or us, because I am right. End. I'm largely going to back Rob up here. About 99% going to, as you know, statistically, it's going to be 80% back Rob up. 2002 onwards is where I draw the line. And that's for two things. That's to save my Roma shirts from 0102 when we had the Scudetto patch on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that World Cup, we were blessed in 1998 and 1994 and 1990. If you look at World Cups as defining kit periods, those kits were fantastic. You fast forward to 2002 and they were pretty bland boring felt like crap to touch weren't nice to wear itched pinched in the wrong places chafed you know as long as you're only wearing a short shirt not shorts chafed in the wrong places as well they, they were bad they were bad the t90s i'm with you i don't don't like them team guys we haven't even got into team guys they, they came in during that period as well they were just boring they looked bad they felt bad yeah i'm with rob on this i think i've decided i disagree you know i came into this completely neutral and i thought i'd let the argument sway me but you're, there's so many iconic kits that you're forgetting or missing out on. I mean, I have to mention one kit, right? And one of the greatest moments in football. And you've got to tell me this is terrible. We're talking 2006, the World Cup final. Zidane plants these big old heads into Marco Matarazzi's chest. You're telling me that white France kit, the team guys template, is not iconic. I can't, Tom. I can't Imagine if he did that. Tom, it's so bad. I can't even remember what it looks like. It, in believe. my head, I'm just picturing believe. the 1990 France away kit here. I mean, I can't even. Yeah. Did they have one in 2006? What, what colour was it, Tom? <laughs> what remind me what colour that France away shirt was? I just I, this is but terrible. Alex, I need some help. Remember. I need some help. It's white, wasn't it? White, there. Oh, white. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Remember that podcasts work as a three as well as a four, Alex. Just before you answer. All right. I'm going to have to, to go with Tom. I think it's oh. we are in danger sometimes of being an echo chamber in this. We all really like 90 shirts. We like rich designs. And it's just a different era that I think isn't our thing. But the, like Tom was saying, there's some great shirts. Like you think of the Galacticos in this era, they were draped in some really classic kits. If I go from Man United, you think of we think of Rooney and Ronaldo. You don't think, oh, Christ, that, what a terrible kit they're stuck with. Although it had a fatal design flaw that the stripes would fall off as soon as you, you look at them. Our Champions League winning shirt looked absolute class. And follow up that up, even though we weren't successful against Barcelona, again, that white away shirt, just another classic uh, so many things the Arsenal Invincible shirt as well you think of the early Messi era the successful pet team some really classic simple shirts and also you talked about how uncomfortable they are I mean we're pretending like 90 shirts are, are you know a red light luxury you know it's just you're sweating your way through a five-a-side game or whatever it is you're doing regardless of what football shirt you're wearing all this dry wicking and things like that you know they're good manufacturing terms but in reality the end result is still the same Apologies for ignoring any other things that could be argued as being correct, Alex. You have just defended a shirt from 2000 to 2010 that actually breaks, okay? <laughs> actually breaks. That United shirt where the, the little bit peels off, it's now not the... It's a shirt that breaks. You can't defend a whole decade of at least 10,000 shirts if one of them breaks. That doesn't make any sense. 
that means I win. We're here for the aesthetics, not the practicalities. Not, we're not just talking about that thing, the, the bit peeling off the back. You've listed shirts to where the badges are falling off, the sponsors are now falling off. That white United shirt against Barcelona game might look nice, but you wash it twice, it's not white anymore. You know, th- there are issues with all of those shirts you've just mentioned, Alex. And in terms of quality and how they feel, I agree. But not that I ever would. But if I needed to in an emergency, a 90s or even a 10s and 20s shirt would feel quite nice to wipe your bum with. If you wiped your bum with a Naughties football shirt, you would, you would, you'd be bleeding. It's like the cheapest toilet roll you can possibly buy from, from the supermarket. Tom, Alex, one. come on, we're waiting. We're waiting on this side. Come on, <laughs> finish that one off. I'll go back to another, another point. We talk about 90s shirts. Why are they so expensive? They're so they're expensive. Good. Because, because they're good. No, stop, 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 stop. I'll answer. Because they're good. That's why. They're so expensive because there's hardly any of them left because 99% of them are dust already because they've fallen apart. And we, by natural selection, have got the few that were hardy enough to survive 30 years. So it's shirt, shirts have always fallen apart under duress. It's not like there's been this magical kind of immaculate craftsmanship in the 90s and suddenly everybody down their, their tools in the 2000s. Shirts, by their nature, they fall apart. And I don't think the shirts in the 2000s are, are any worse to, than other decades for that. Also, you're forgetting that the 2000s has provided us with a shirt that is so common, I guarantee you've all got one, and it will be in every charity shop, in every high street up and down the country, that England away 2006 shirt. You know, how can you put that in Football Shirt 101? Here rests again, think, my case. Yeah, again, say, I think you just shot yourself in the foot there, Tom. That's exactly <laughs> why you would put a whole decade of shirts in the bin. Didn't they have a reversible shirt as well? Come on, come on. Reversible shirts. We're Chelsea not had a reversible shirt too. Right, again, let's, you know, let's end the discussion there. Chelsea had a reversible shirt. They did. They went through the period of this is the match shirt and this is the pub shirt for wearing with your mates, didn't they? And you could turn mm-hmm. them up. There was quite a few teams did that. Which uh, awful idea. Just It means you've got some badges and stitching rubbing in all the wrong places at all the wrong times. Just a reminder to the two of you putting this forward, if you're putting all the 2000s shirts into Kit Room 101, that's Roma's last title shirt going in the bin. I, that's I said 2002. Still... I said 2002, Alex. Okay, okay. well, Rob, this is going to come to you. This Middlesbrough's UEFA Cup final shirt is going in the bin. Yeah, it's rubbish. I agree. They shouldn't have been there. They got yeah, that terrible. against Roma anyway. Rubbish. I do admire yeah, you going into this, Rob. Jimmy Floyd Hacklebank's crying now. Thanks. Yeah, the shirts are rubbish. The team was great. The shirts are rubbish. All the best Borough shirts in the 90s. All the 80s, not the noughties. So I think we're calling that an impasse, aren't we? Normally, we, no. th- these things are a... Are we not swaying Tom yet? I, I, I think Tom Tom's for swaying here. Come on, Tom. You could you could make a difference on this. this is- I, I can't put Zidane's... That, Zidane, just that Zidane shirt is holding this decade up, I think. You he can't, can't put that right. in. Tom can't be swayed because the 2000s was the decade that Chelsea became relevant. So he's never, ever... <laughs> going to argue against it is he come on Tom you can't yeah you can't chuck those Chelsea era the Mourinho era SEN Terry Lombard you can't bin all of those Tom come on I can't no I absolutely can't the centenary shirt too no I'm not for swaying this this man is not for swaying we need to take this online no trolling please that means you're siding with me and Adrian yeah don't troll this is the poll you can swing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we could, we're going to see an Arsenal fan pile on now, aren't we? The Invincible shirts is going to win it for Tom and I. I'll use the uh, banana shirt in a tweet when I do it. Don't worry, I'm going to get the Arsenal fans inside. So we've come to the end of another episode. I'd like to thank Tom, Adrian and Rob. 
And I'd like to remind you also that you can still pick up digital copies of the magazine at kitmag.co.uk. You can follow us at kitmagazine underscore on Twitter, at kitmag underscore on Instagram, and also contact us using the hashtag kitpod.